I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters, and I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can bow like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Shooters, welcome into another episode of the Shooters Touch podcast. We're so glad you're here. We appreciate you following along on this journey. Today, we bring on head coach John Henry for William Penn. He needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. Coach Henry just surpassed the 500 win mark down at William Penn, and he has that program rolling. They continue to rip off 20 plus wins each and every year. And they have just really built a nice program down there. And that's all credit to John and his staff. And so we had a lot of fun talking and getting to learn and know more about Coach and getting a few stories along the way. We think you're really going to enjoy this one. So make sure you tell a friend about it as well. As always, shoot or shoot. Fourth quarter down three, need a two and one. Better call on me, better call on me. If you know you Coach, we're excited to have you on, excited to get your story a little bit and uh, hear how you got into the world of coaching and and everything you've learned along the way. We're really excited about tonight and the opportunity to hear some stories. Uh, We've been kind of laughing and chatting a little bit off air, and so we're excited to to dive into this a little bit more. Talking real briefly here as far as where you guys are at, you guys are coming up now on your conference tournament. Uh, Another really good year. Uh, for, for the guys and so you had a 20 game win streak which I believe tied the school record before um, dropping one last week and so uh, the first loss in in league play and so you guys have really kind of been rolling 20 was it 25 and 3 I think is what I, I got you at and so tell us a little bit about uh, how this year's been going and, and what you've seen and what you've really liked here as you guys start to roll into postseason play coming off last year we were 31 and 2 and uh, we won our conference and our conference tournament, and we lost eight seniors. And I lost my top assistant, Blake Sandquist, who's now the head coach at DMAC, who's doing very well. Uh, it was in question what was going to happen this year. To be where we're at now is a dream, to be honest with you. And, it, and the kids have worked really hard. My staff has worked really hard. My new assistant, Rufus Williams, has been fantastic. Um, and he, he deals with the kids really well. Um, You mentioned the loss the other night. Uh, I never dreamed this team would win 20 straight conference games. And when we lost, we had a chance to win. There was 12 seconds left in regulation. We were up two, and they missed a shot. Then they missed another shot. We gave up two offensive rebounds. We're the best rebounding team in the country. And then they score it. We go to overtime, and they beat us. And we're four hours away from home. They rush the floor, of course. you know, we're the small college, not 
we're not the small college version, but we are a small college version of Duke to where Wake Forest is going to rush the floor. Um, and they did, and they beat us. And then we went down to Central Methodist and rebounded and won again. And we're 21 and one in conference. And I'm so proud of this group because, you know, they just work so hard and they're so together. It's been fun. And it wasn't expected to be like this. We're 25 and three and 21 and one. And I'm having a blast. I really am. Um, you know, as a coach, you say, you say something like that, but you know, I have my moments um, where, you know, I act like I'm not having fun, but even when you're not having fun, you're still having fun. And, and you coaches who are watching this, you know, damn well what I'm talking about. Even when you're miserable, you're still happy. I mean, you're still happy to be coaching the game and you're still happy to be going to work tomorrow. And you, you can't wait to put that whistle on and do your thing. So when you think you're miserable or your team's not very good, you know, you're teaching and, and, and you could be doing something else, but you're coaching basketball, man. It's the greatest thing ever. Does that include practice tonight then too? Or how did things go tonight? Well, he's cheating uh, right now asking me that question because we had, we had an episode tonight where I threw a kid out of practice and maybe all you coaches listening or players or whoever uh, know how that goes. And uh, great player, great kid, um, but wasn't giving the effort that I thought he should as a all-conference player, possible All-American. Um, just because we play on Thursday and it's Monday today, I wasn't having it. And uh, I gave him the ultimatum of, you know, hey, I'm not going to I'm not going to give you his name. I don't want to embarrass him like that. I already embarrassed him enough. I said, either you do this drill hard this time or you take the day off. Well, I wish he would have just said to me, can I have the, you know, that would have been great. But as our leader and uh, great player, he gave half effort again and he continued to do it. Well, I picked up a trash can and I was so mad, I slammed it on the ground. <clears throat> I didn't throw it. I slammed it on the ground because I was mad because this kid has been with me for a long time. So he shouldn't be doing this. And I said, you're out of here. Get out of here. And he walked over to the trash can and threw it against the wall. And I said, that's what I'm talking about. Get out of here. You know, it's cool. Um, he'll be back tomorrow. and He'll be fine. But uh, it's just our program is a little different. I take all walks of life, second chance kids, high school kids, you know, no parent kids. I mean, we've got we've got we're a mixed bag and we always have been uh, all the way back to Sean O'Hare. Got to throw his name out there because I know oh, yeah. I enjoy that. Him and Kevin. Kevin's my boy, too. Congratulations to him, by the way. And <laughs> that later. But, uh, you know, that's how it goes with us. And, and we love these kids and, and we work with them daily. And uh, we've been successful doing it. And, and I'm very proud of what we do. You know, what's funny is uh, this whole last chance you thing. That's not last chance you. Junior college is not last chance you. NAI basketball is last chance you. They've already been to junior college. You know what I'm saying? They yep. need to do a documentary on us. And we actually had a little uh, a banter back and forth with them about it. Um, it was minor, but, uh, you know, I watched that stuff and I'm like, they got a chance to go on. This is the last for these guys, some of them. Now, 
some of our kids come straight from high school. I've got two Philadelphia kids that are sophomores. Fantastic. Uh, and they came here right out of high school, and they're awesome. Um, both of them start for us. I'm anticipating both of them being first-team all-conference. So, yeah, thanks for asking me about practice today. <laughs> yeah, well, you brought it up earlier. Well, so. It didn't go well. It didn't go well, but it's going to be well tomorrow. Well, and you mentioned two then. So then start conference the conference tournament on Thursday. Um, and so that would be an opportunity. Like you said, it's always this time of year, You're it's just like game rest practice practice game it's and so the fact that you actually have a couple of days of practice and you know as well as anybody these kids are like man how many days until we play our next game and so that had to be a little bit of of the lead into that but uh but looking see, at looking at thursday what do you what do you see or what are you excited about but see that's what you said and that's why i was so mad at my young man today is like as a leader you need to make sure that these guys are locked in even on Monday when we don't play till Thursday, instead of saying, we don't play till Thursday, we're going to take today off. No, I'm not having that. Um, right. we, took, we took Sunday off. Uh, repeat your question. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. So just then looking forward to Thursday, what, uh, what do you see in that uh, matchup and what are you excited about to have the opportunity to start postseason play? Terrified because Benedictine is well coached. Ryan Moody is their coach. They've got a great point guard and a really good skill set of five, six, seven guys. Um, their record isn't great, uh, and we did beat them down there pretty handily. I think we won 86 to 60, but we were down at half. Think about that. Wow. We were at half and won by 26. But that tells you how if they'd have sustained that first half, um, it would have been a different ball game. But that's that's kind of how we play. We try to wear you down. We're going to run and run and run and run and run. And our what we call cone breaker, um, and you saw it at the clinic if you were there, um, that's what we do. And uh, and that's what we do daily. And But but Ryan and his team are, are, are good. And uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we got to get – if we get past Benedictine, um, we will see either Baker – or mid-american nazarene baker's the only team that beat us they beat us in overtime at their place as i mentioned to you before i just want to concentrate on benedictine i'm not trying to be bill bill belichick here um but yeah. you know let's let's benedictine is, is what we're concentrating on now we need to we need to do some different things to get better because we've already qualified for the national tournament so as we are preparing for conference tournament games we're also preparing for you know little nuggets or things that we need to do in the national tournament regardless of what we do in the conference tournament you know what i mean i mean yeah. that makes sense and that's hard for like the high school coaches who are watching this they don't have that luxury i mean it's one and done but college coaches at my level i've got to prepare not only for the conference tournament, but for the national tournament right now. Um, and, and the rest of our league is trying to get into the national tournament. We're already in. So that that's good stuff. Uh, that's definitely exciting. Like you said, you obviously the old adage of one game at a time, but you do have to continue to prepare and uh, keep your eyes set on, on the ultimate prize and have an opportunity to win some games here in the postseason. So, Coach, you brought up uh, earlier a little bit talking about the last chance you and just where some of your players are, are from. And so going through the roster, I mean, you do. I mean, you have you have kids from Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, 
Pennsylvania, uh, Texas, California, you got them from all over. And so what, what is it about Oskaloosa that just has these kids just running to uh, Southern Iowa to have an opportunity to play for William Penn? I like to call it South Central Iowa. <laughs> okay. um, you know, you know, I think it's the program, you know, I, we sell them on, we're going to be successful. We're going to make sure you get a degree and you're going to earn your degree, but we're going to make sure your ass is in class. Um, you know, we'll get you the tutors. We'll get you this, that, whatever. I mean, we, we go be, my, my staff is fantastic and I don't hire anybody who I don't think is going to do the best for the kids academically. And then after that, are they going to do the best for the kids basketball wise, like skill wise, like if they need shots or they need a workout or weights or whatever, that's all after academics. Like I said, man, I mean, if you can't go D one, go somewhere where it feels like that. And for us, I, I sell that and we sell that on, we're going to have fun. I mean, just talking with me, you, you can feel that my whole staff has a good time and we have a good time, but we're going to make sure that these kids are successful if they want to be. If they don't, we get rid of them right away. I mean, it's like that. And we've gotten rid of some players that you could never even imagine. I mean, I could drop some names on you that you would know um, that, that couldn't play here. But it, it's, a, it's, it's fun. I mean, uh, you know, daily uh, going, going to work and seeing that these kids are successful and doing the right things. Now, they don't always like the way we do it at, at, at first, um, but, you know, when they take to it, it's fun, and, and then we have successful seasons like we are now. And then May 15th, uh, the graduation day, seeing their families, um, and they walk across that stage, and they also have the championship rings on, um, whether it be conference or Final Fours, whatever. We buy a ring for anything around here as long as you win. Um, it could be conference, could be conference tournament, final four, national tournament. Uh, we buy rings for everything because it's all so special every year. You can't take it for granted. Yeah, that is that is very true. And uh, to be able to celebrate those accomplishments, like you said, both in the classroom and on the court uh, are definitely huge. And and so when you have the different walks of life that you, you've mentioned and people coming from different parts of the country with different backgrounds, I imagine you run into some personalities and some some conflict along the way. What if what have you kind of learned and picked up as far as dealing with uh, some different personalities and finding ways to kind of get everybody to buy into the process and ultimately, you know, create that culture and chemistry that, you know, every coach out there is looking to try to do because we've all seen that uh, result in wins on the floor. Well, that's a great question. And, and honestly, I can't believe that you're like the first person that's asked me this question in the last five years with the pandemic and the diversity and the police and the race stuff and the Trump stuff and everything that's happened in the last three to four years, it has been a little bit more the, the anthem and the flag, all that stuff. It has been a little more challenging, especially with, uh, you know, having whites, blacks, and kids from all over. It's been a little more challenging. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but I, I feel like William Penn as a university was ahead of the curve um, before all this all this crap went down, uh, for lack of a better term. And we had the right administration uh, in line. And 
me and my staff were in line. Uh, even the new staff and the old staff, we had to switch the last couple of years uh, in that we cared enough about our kids to talk to them about it. And not only that, but our kids adapted to it because on our campus, it's very diverse. I mean, we don't, when I go to work every day, I don't see the problems that I see on CNN. Does that make sense? Yeah. When I watch CNN and I see rioting, looting, you know, problems, when I go to work every day, I don't really see that stuff. So I'm like, why is this happening? You know, and and my guys have been very great uh, about all those things. And when something comes up uh, of nature, like, uh, you know, I don't want to stand for the, the anthem. We talk about it and, and we resolve a problem and find a way to move it differently. We don't take away their ability to do what their mind thinks, um, but we find a way to get a happy medium and make it work. Does that make sense? That is something too that is not easy. And it's something that trying to navigate and figure out and oh, by the way, still play basketball. And like you said, still get an education. Um, hey, it's, it can I, be difficult. If I could add on to that, it's not easy. I mean, it's, it's not easy having kids from all over, uh, all walks of life. You know, they've got different thoughts in their mind. I, I try to think back to I wasn't alive at that time. I, I was born shortly after that, but like the Vietnam war type stuff, like all the craziness that was going on then is kind of like it is now only on a different level and trying to navigate. You're not just coaching basketball. If that makes sense. I mean, you, you, these guys need, they need talk to every day about what's going on. I'm not a, I'm not a big guy on this whole mental health thing, but they need, they need to know or, or speak their minds and they need to have somebody tell them, hey, I have a thing where I walk into practice every day and it, it's gotten to the, I'll, I'll tell you what I did first. I walked into, I walk into practice for like two straight years and I say, well, what kind of day you have in a day? A, B, C, D, F, I mean, grading scale. And they'll say, I'm having an A day. How, what you having, coach? I'm having an A day. And I'll go to the next day and he'll say, man, I'm having a C. And it tells me right away, why are you having a C? And I ask him. And then he tells me. And then right there, you know, he tells me what's wrong with him. And I know right away. You know, and, and sometimes if I'm having a bad day and I say, hey, what kind of day you have? And then he says, hey, I'm having an A day. What about you, coach? And I said, man, I'm having a D. And they'll ask me. It's kind of cool. It's kind of a cool thing. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that we do. And I, I like it because, uh, you know, you, you need to know what, what, what type of day they have had up until that point. And I think it's cool that they would ask me back, you know, like if I, you know, my mom is having a bad day, I've been, I'm having a bad day, you know, et cetera. So it's cool. I mean, and I, I, I don't know if everybody should do that, but that's something that I do. And uh, it, it's pretty neat thing. Yeah, that is big to kind of get kind of get a gauge on where everybody's at, but also just to show them that you care and that you're you want to know exactly how they're doing and where they're at um, in life. So you can you better meet them where they are. And um, if they need help, like you said, you're there to able to provide that. And I think uh, also being able to make that easier 
um, is the fact that you have about 45 assistant coaches. I don't know. You have a big, big budget or what's the deal? No, 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 no. We don't have a big budget. And I'm glad you brought that up because over my 22 year career, I have had amazing assistants. Um, I don't necessarily call them student assistants or managers. We call everybody an assistant coach, whether you're just the guy that mops the floor, runs the scoreboard at half, during practice, everyone is assistant coach. And I'm so proud of the fraternity of assistant coaches that I've had from Josh Sash, um, Joe McKinstry. I, I'm not going to be able to name them all. Julie Sibby is an assistant coach at the University of Florida women's team. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean... I could go on and on. Brandon Linhart, Blake Sandquist. Um, I'm very proud of the fact that I've only had four top assistants and we've won a conference championship with each one of them. I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, and that's not about me. It's about them making me look good. Um, and all my student assistants. I mean, I've had guys go on to be uh, coaches at high school. I've had a couple of guys go on. One guy coached professional in Iceland. Um, Grant Leonard is a D1 coach at Queens. I mean, I, I'm going to forget somebody, but the fraternity of coaches here that have made the program work and get me to 500 and whatever wins it is, that's what it's all. They, they made it happen. I mean, I haven't, I shouldn't say this. I haven't done a scouting report, uh, fully this entire season and we're 25 and three. That tells you, uh, the, the, the amount of trust I have in the people I hire. Now, the great, the great coaches hire well. And I'm not saying I'm a great coach, but I have hired well. Um, so there you go. Yeah, I mean, that's huge, though. Being able, like you said, it's a trust element because so oftentimes as, he as head coaches, uh, you, you know, we want to micromanage everything. But like you said, when you hire the right people uh, and you trust what they're able to do, it, it makes things a lot easier and it, and it empowers them as well. And it's something that well, they have confidence in what they're doing. And, and you said about our budget, man, these dudes are making peanuts. <laughs> I'm talking about peanuts. Like, $500, some of them, uh, or nothing. Some of my graduate assistants get $0. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, they just, they trust that we're going to win. And as you can tell, I'm a, I like to have fun. So we're going to have fun. And then that I'm going to make sure that they go on and be successful when they leave here. Um, and that's what that, that's what we're about. And not just that, but the players too, like the guys who have a chance to play overseas. Uh, I think in my 22 and a half years, we've had 26 guys sign professional contracts, three of which were in the G League, um, one step away from the NBA. Um, so we've had great players. Um, and a tribute to those four assistants I mentioned before, Brandon Linhart. Joe McKinstry, Blake Sandquist, and now Rufus Williams uh, to get us great players and to, to push players on. Well, and like you said, too, a part of that is they're going to learn something along the way, um, obviously from you and from the rest of the staff, from the players, but also to, to your point of having that freedom to be able to go out and do the scouting report, to be out on the road recruiting, to have to do all that stuff. I mean, there's a lot of staffs in which that you would, 
you know, get hidden way down the bench holding the clipboard where you're not having the opportunity to learn those things and not having a chance to grow within the profession. And so that speaks something, you know, to you and what you've been able to do and, and being able to create a staff and an environment for these guys to go and be successful within the profession. Well, you'd be surprised because as I get older, I turn 50 in April. And, you know, over so many years, the game changes and kids change. I like to call uh, today's players AAU generation. It's a whole different ball game than it was 20 years ago. And if you keep bringing young coaches in, they understand certain things that maybe I don't understand. Like, I don't, this jumble rap, I want Dr. Dre, you know. Eminem <laughs> is about as far as I go. So, you know, they can they can relate and talk and then relay it to me sometimes. Um, not only that, but just like the recruiting technology, all of it. And uh hopefully I can keep this going and keep keep getting good assistance that can carry my ass. That, that uh that's huge to be able to have those guys to connect and and, and be able to relate. Uh, to the players for you makes it makes it a lot easier on yourself it's great to uh hear some of the stories and some of those nuggets for you know our listeners that are coaches and even players to be honest you know it's uh um you know you mentioned the uh the individual you had to kick out of or remove from practice you know being a leader um that's uh a lot of a lot of being an athlete right once you get up to that age you're you're a leader and you need to be there every day and give it everything so that was that was great that was great um well let's turn the the hand of time back a little bit yeah go ahead i love that kid i don't want to get rude that you know he acted like an ass today but i still love that kid you know i didn't mention his name but i if if he ever does see this i want him to know that (laughs) and you know at times you know junk happens and junk happened today and and well, tomorrow we'll be good. We won't even talk about it. He'll be back to work and we'll move on. But not every program is like that. So I'm sorry. Right. Go no, you're all you're all good. We uh, you know, you mentioned it, the A, B, C, D, F days, you know, and we all have those days. Right. We all have them. So uh, understood. Understood. But let's uh, like I mentioned, let's let's turn the hands of time back here. Um, talk a little bit about your childhood. You mentioned off air that uh, you're from big city of Newton. Is that correct? yes big city of newton yeah (laughs) okay good good um well tell us a little bit about that dive into that a little bit you know what was uh what was growing up like on the on the you know in the neighborhood there you know the obviously friends and athletics and stuff like that when you're growing up it's interesting that you asked me that because uh i'm I'm actually that's a great thank you for asking me that because i haven't ever been able to give these people credit before and you mentioned neighborhood Hillcrest Park, uh, right next to my my parents' house and my house. Hillcrest Park uh, was where all me and my neighborhood buddies played ball, you know, baseball, football, and then we played basketball in my driveway. But what's interesting is we played so much sports that like seven college athletes came out of my neighborhood. It's really kind of cool. But yeah. I mean, uh, I, I loved growing up in Newton. Uh, I was a quarterback on the 90 uh, state championship team runner-up. I played basketball, you know, all through as well. I ran into Fred Hoiberg my senior year. We were pretty good, but you're not beating Fred Hoiberg. That's Buzzkill, yeah. Right, you know, yeah. I, 
I was on the Fred, Fred was on this level and I was on level. I was pretty good, but Fred was like here and you know, it is what it is. And I love it. I mean, growing up, I played against Chris street, you know, Casey Blake, uh, Fred Hoiberg, people like that. I mean, it was outrageous. Um, the, the, the teams in central Iowa at that time, I mean, uh, Marshalltown had Matt Gazaway. I mean, it, there was just so many players, um, you know, and, and my son um, playing at Oski when he was in the little hockey, had the same thing. I mean, there were so many players. I mean, him and Cade McKnight just played against each other the other night, um, Indiana State, you and I, and uh, it's awesome. Central Iowa has a lot of players. It really does. And, uh, you know, it was fun growing up here. To go back to your question, I'm glad I grew up where I did and when I did. Thank God I didn't have a cell phone because I'd have gotten in a lot of trouble. As you guys already got me, I would have gotten in a lot of trouble with a cell phone. But uh, no, I loved it. And uh, my time there uh, growing up was fantastic. My mom is going to really like you asking me that question, by the way. Good. That's good. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. That's what we go for. That's what we go for. Um, and so when you were growing up, you, you know, you mentioned playing a lot of sports. Uh, what class were you guys at that time? Was that? We were, um, we were 4A and just for the O'Hares, Kevin and Sean, I beat Dowling in this football semifinals to go to the Dome. Newt beat Dowling, O'Hares. Of course you did. Of course awesome. you did. Well, they always tell me that they always, they always tell me Dowling's a basketball school anyway. So they probably won't, 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 won't hold that to very high standard. I never played Dowling in basketball. I just know I beat their ass. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and so with that being said, um, when you, you know, we're getting up there, you know, as a, as a bigger school in Iowa, um, was there any, or excuse me, maybe, maybe a better question would be, were you, um, uh, are we playing all sports? You mentioned obviously basketball, football. Are we playing all four seasons, or was it as a bigger school? You know, now you nowadays you see the athletes, you know, I mean, specializing. Was that you know the same as as when you were um, in high school? No, because I played a hundred years ago. They were always trying to get me to go out for track because I was a quarterback, but I wanted to play basketball more in the spring and summer. But it was before AAU generation. So it wasn't like I was playing for the Iowa Tech or Martin Brothers or anything like that. I just wanted to play ball. And we just played in the park back then. I mean, it sounds like 800 years old, but we didn't have that. Um, but I wasn't interested in running track or baseball. I wanted to basketball and football, and that was it. It was just a different time than it is now. Um, raising kids, my own kids, I know now that you got to do year 365 days a year now. Um, and I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I don't really have a yes or no on that, but I, I, for me, I'm just glad I grew up when I grew up. Um, and I don't really have an answer for that stuff, but the Cardinal of Newton are playing Oskaloosa tonight. And it was very difficult for me because uh, the Oskaloosa boys, Indians, asked me to be their motivational speaker last night at their togetherness, and they're playing Newton. So 
I went in there and, and their coach, their head coach, Brandon Linhart, and their assistant coach, Eric McGee, both played for me. My son and daughter both went to Oskaloosa, but I went to Newton. So it was, it was tough, but uh, I made it through. And we're also recruiting uh, Newton's point guard. So it was a, a little weird situation, but we got through. And uh, if I am correct on this, Brian, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Cardinals got the W tonight. What was the score? I haven't seen it. Did you see that? I think I think they won by six or seven. Oh, okay. So the Indians, at I least, believe. I'm proud of the Indians for for giving fight. Yep, yep. So I believe I believe that's the right score. I believe. Hey, well, so coach, I won. You won. Yeah, you won either way. That uh, that's a good spot to be in. That's for sure. Right on. Hey, so I was going to ask you, is, as we talk about the AAU era versus when you grew up and even when Adam and I grew up, uh, very, very different time, like you said, in those neighborhood battles. Do you think if uh, 10 guys showed up to the park today, they'd be able to figure out how to pick teams and, and play a little bit? Or do you think that they need someone to organize it for them? I think last night proved, and you know where I'm going with this, do you? I know, I'm, I'm anxious. The all-star game. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I think last night proved that they could pick teams. Having been through the AAU process with my son um, really opened my eyes. And I quasi helped Martin Brothers when they needed me through the whole process. I mean, if, if somebody didn't show up or they needed me to coach or, or be there, I didn't want, really want to be involved. But they were such great people to us that I, I helped a little bit. I learned a lot um, about how the process is not just the process of playing the games, but the recruiting and the uh, organization of it all and the budget of it all. Um, I learned so much uh, more than I thought it really was. Uh, AAU is to be for lack of a better term. It's, it's nuts. And it's, and when it's done right, when it's done right, it's, it's, it's awesome. But when it's done wrong, it's terrible. But uh, we had a good, we had a, we had a good relationship and Martin brothers and Hank Huddleston were good to me and my family and my son. Um, and I, I wish every kid could have that type of experience. We were lucky because I, 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 I talked to a lot of kids. I mean, even my own players to this day, I mean, when I talk to them about their AAU situation, someone will say it was great and someone will say it was terrible. I just hope that when people choose that, they understand what they're getting into. Um, because I think some parents uh, or even high school coaches, if you're, you're listening to this, guide your players, you know, do your research on who they're getting involved with because there's a lot of sharks out there um, and a lot of snakes out there that are just taking money. Um, and, and if you give your money for a service, make sure you're getting the proper service for that player. And high school parents and, and parent, high school coaches, excuse me, and parents, make sure you're getting the service that you're paying for, not just paying for your kid to go play ball on the weekends, because that's just babysitting. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, one of the old adage, and I think any college coach, you know, has had that player where you think, um, well, if we can get him 
once we get them on campus, get them away from their parents, things are going to be better. And now you have to be like, yeah, once we can get them away from their AAU coach, <laughs> you can get them here. Uh, you know, things might turn around a little bit for that player. High school coaches are basically getting cut out of the recruiting cycle. Right. Because some, some, not necessarily me, but some, I'm not saying that I don't do this. I do, but not all the time. <laughs> Before I put my statement out there, a lot of college coaches skip over the high school coaches now because they believe that the AAU coach knows more about the kid because he's on the charter bus all the way from Oskaloosa, Iowa to New York in a hotel for four days. I mean, they got personal attention. High school coaches don't necessarily have that 24-hour connection with a kid to get to know him. But what I'm saying is, like the high school coaches, they're there every day in class. They know them in the community. They know their cousins. Um, you know, it's either way. I mean, it depends on what your philosophy is on how to get to know a kid. I've done it both ways. I'm not going to sit here and say that I haven't done it one way or the other. But I don't know. It's slippery slope. Um, where we're, where this game is headed in recruiting and getting to know players before they become your players. And I've had guys that I thought were awesome. I had a player this year, really good player from down south. Uh, six, six white kid was awesome. I mean, I watched his highlight tape. He was incredible. I get him on campus, wasn't very good. <laughs> you know, I mean, and his, his AAU handler swore up and down that he was incredible. And I watched his video and it was incredible. And he left it semester because um, he wasn't on our varsity. And, and, and that happens at this level, at, at my level. Um, and our level is different than what you, some of you coaches watch, the coaches that are watching, you watch on TV and it's just different. You know, the, 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 the Louisvilles and you and I's and the Drake's and the Kansas, this level's different. I mean, uh, we just, we just need to know the different levels of recruiting and sending players on and realizing that there are players everywhere and getting them in the spot that they're going to be successful to not only play, but graduate and go on and be good people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, you mentioned the time spent with those AAU coaches compared to high school. And yeah, you know, when you think about all those games in the summertime and all the travel, man, that's a lot of time that you're spending with that kid. And so it makes, like I said, it makes a lot of sense that you're talking about that and, you know, when Brian and I were AAU age, there was only one or two AAU teams back then. And who'd you and, play, uh, for? Who'd you play uh, for? So we, uh, well, I and a bunch of, I guess, other guys that played with me, we tried out for Martin Brothers. Shout out to Hank because he's been here for a long time. That's for sure. Um, and we did not make the team. So uh, our dad's actually was like, well, we want to play. So we just started our own team uh, called Eastern Iowa. Okay. Thought about that long and hard, long and hard about that did name. You play, did you play with Grant Stout? Oh yeah. Uh, no, no, no. So he played with he he was on Martin Brothers, and then I went to you and I was Stout. No, I mean actually. Grant and you were teammates, right? Yeah. Man, that's my dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fish his parents' pond about ten times a year. <laughs> that's great. I'm sure he does a lot, lot, lot more than that too. So Grant Stout is a freshman in high school. And his high school coach gave me my first coaching job 
seventh grade North Mahaska coach. My, I don't know what I'm doing. I just got my coaching certificate and he said, be my seventh grade coach. So, okay, I'm coaching seventh grade. Years later, uh, I become the coach at Penn and Grant's a freshman. I think it was my first or second year. And he calls me up. Andy Pickering is his name. He calls me up and says, I got this really good player. He's a ninth grader. He's skinny, he's tall, and he needs to get beat up. And I said, all right, send him over. So we had a summer open gym, and Grant comes in. And I said, hey, man, how you doing? I knew his mom a little bit, Joy. She's an elementary school teacher. His dad's a farmer. You know all about this, right? You've probably been to the, the pond. You've been to the house? Yeah, I've been there several times, actually. Okay. Okay, so Grant walks into the wind pin gym, and he starts playing. And he gets hit with an elbow in the face. And just breaks his nose and he's bleeding all down his face. And I'm thinking to myself, oh no, what have I done? I don't have insurance on this kid. Are they going to throw a fit? Whatever. He goes down to the William Penn training room, stuffs tissue in his nose and comes back. That's when I knew he was special. Um, right there. Tyler, Tyler, no, there are... Tyler Sass is another one who came to our gym as like a eighth grader as well. And uh, was giving us buckets, um, you know, rest in peace to Tyler. But um, right. that, those are two really good Iowa stories right there. And I could go on with Xavier and Cole, but I'm not going to do that. We, we already, uh, we had Josh on the pod. And so we talked a little bit about uh, Tyler growing up and having an opportunity to go and, and play at William Penn. And so that was- You can, um, see, you can see the Sash's house from my office. That's how close they live to my, to our gym. That's uh, it's, that's huge though. I mean, you talked about, you know, bringing these high school kids in give them an opportunity to toughen up a little bit when you're on campus like that and you're playing with those guys, regardless of what sport it is, it, it's going to make you better. You're around it. Like you said, you see a higher level and then obviously you see the high school game too, but that just makes a huge difference for those kids. I got to go back to you saying you had Josh on the pod. Okay. So Josh Sash. And I'm full of stories. Josh Sash is working at Brown Shoes, Brown Shoe Company in, yep. in a square of Oskaloosa. Out of, out of school, not doing anything. And he's hanging around with some of my favorite players of all time back in the early days. Uh, Joe McKinstry and, and so on and so forth. Julian Asibi, uh, et cetera. And they were like, this dude's kind of cool. And I was like, I know Josh because I, I coached Josh in high school. I was the assistant in Oskaloosa when Josh was a senior. And I said, I know Josh. And they were like, oh, you do? Well, he kind of wants to come back to school and he's kind of looking into coaching. Look at him now. Awesome. Brought, he's yeah, he was part of my first staff that went to nationals. He was the second assistant. Um, amazing, amazing, uh, amazing story. And he's a, he's a nomad. I mean, that dude – he'll go wherever he'll go wherever we talked yeah. about that i love that cat so you talked about getting that first coaching job what did you know like what where in this journey was all of a sudden like hey you know what i think i think i want to be a coach like when did when did it kind of start to to set in was it something you know while you were still in college that you started thinking that uh coaching was going to be the path or when did you kind of know you're not going to believe this but i was in the second grade i wanted to be a high school football coach Newton won the uh, state championship, uh, 4A football sta state championship in 1980. I was in the second grade, and I so enamored 
uh, Frank Gilson, who was our football coach, um, because when he walked into the room, he was God. And I was like, man, I, I want to coach football. If I can't go, if I can't go to the NFL, I want to coach football. And then as I grew older, uh, John Jenkins took over and I was so enamored with him as the football coach. I said, and he coached me. I was like, I want to be a, a high school football coach because if you think about it, high school football coaches make the world go round in right. small, in, in, in middle, middle, middle class, you know, Newton's, Oskaloosa, Indianola, you know, high school football coaches are other than the mayor. Who's the, who's the most important person in the whole damn community. It ain't the basketball coach. And just like in college, I mean, I know football makes the world go round. Fran McCaffrey is not as important as Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> like his, you know, so that's, that's where I, want, I knew I wanted to be a coach. And, and somehow um, I got twisted up uh, and ended up in basketball. Like I said, I started off as the uh, seventh grade coach at North Mahaska. And from there, I ended up at Clorinda Academy. It's a juvenile delinquent lockdown facility where I was the ninth grade coach. And uh, I had a blast. I still remember all those kids' names, and we were really good. But the coolest part about that, um, just to give you my, um, you know, my perspective on it, and people will laugh when they hear this, is that when you're coaching kids that are in a lockdown facility, if they don't do what you want them to do, it is send them back to the dorms and get another kid. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you know, you can really play some hard-ass defense. Um, and you get kids to play hard uh, when you say, all right, go back to the dorms. I'll get him. No, 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 I'm good. Uh, I'll play D now. No, that was fun. Um, from there, uh, I met a beautiful lady, uh, <clears throat> uh, my wife, and she's still my wife to this day. I was drawn back to the Oskaloosa area, and I became the assistant coach at Oskaloosa High School for one year. And we were like 11 and nine. It was a good year too. But from there, I went to Twin Cedars of Bussy. And you high school coaches out there, you know your own journey. Sometimes you go different places. I would still be at Twin Cedars of Bussy. When I arrived at Twin Cedars of Bussy, it's a 1A school in the Bluegrass Conference, if you don't know. Play schools like Moravia, Mormon Trail. Um, I could go on and on. Um, Seymour. Uh, on and on and on, but I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was a PE teacher and basketball coach. That was all I had to do. And then William Penn hired me as, believe it or not, as the cross country coach. I had a side gig as the cross country, and I had never been to a cross country meet before in my life, but it was $10,000. Uh, and I was about to have my first kid, which was Cole. Um, so I took it and I loved Twin Cedars. And I still to this day, Love the Sabres. Uh, I don't understand why they spell it the way they do, um, but uh, I loved it there. I'm not kidding you. I could have stayed there for 20 years and, and kind of did some nice things, but <clears throat> I took the cross-country job. We were successful. William Penn brought me back to be the head assistant because our, our head coach at the time was very, very old, and we were switching from D3 to NAI, and this is how this all went down. So... They made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I was going to be the head cross-country coach, the assistant basketball coach, and I was going to get paid pretty good money. 
So I left Twin Cedars. That was hard for me because I was starting my family. My son was being born and I knew we wanted to have another child. And that was a stable job. The William Penn job was not stable. Uh, we had had 19 straight losing seasons when I went there. I played during that time too, so I can't make too much of it because I sucked. Uh, but so I take, I take this job. I, I you know, tell my wife it's going to work out. I didn't know if it was going to work out or not. I just convinced her. And seven games into the season, I was just the Twin Cedars head boys basketball coach. Seven games into that next season, fire the head coach and make me the interim. So here I am. I'm like 26 years old, 27 maybe. Um, and I'm, I'm now in charge. I mean, I was just coaching Joe Schmo at Twin Cedars. You know, now, I mean, what am I doing? And my assistant was Brandon Linhart, who was a student at the time. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. I mean, we really didn't. We finished, believe, hear, the, hear me out. We went two and 30. I'm now the answer to a really weird trivia question. My SID and I believe that I'm the only college basketball coach to have lost 30 games and won 30 games at the same institution. I and believe that, God, yeah. And, and thank God the winning came second, or my ass will be a greeter at Walmart. Um, yeah. Those people, there's pride in that, you know, but I'm just saying. That's that's amazing. That's an amazing journey, too. I'm glad you brought up the cross country, too, because I was going to ask if you didn't say, I was going to say, was it fifth grade that you started dreaming of being a cross country coach or where did no, that? Uh... No. Shout out to those kids, because I didn't know what I was doing. And back to Tyler Sash and Josh Sash, I would call his dad, Mike, and ask him cross country workouts because I didn't have any idea. And, and, and here's the hustler that I am. I would bring my best runners in. And I would say, hey, what, what do you think we should do for practice this week? You know, ultimately, I'm the coach, so I'll make the decision. But what do you think we should do? And they would tell me, and I'd be like, writing it down. Well, I'll take that in mind. And then I'd do everything they said. Because I, no, I, I had no idea. And we ended up winning the conference. We went to regionals and won regionals and went to nationals. I was conference coach of the year and regional cross-country coach of the year and I didn't have any idea what I was doing it was awesome and thank God for those kids because if not for that I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys today just uh making sure they get to the meet safely right you're just the chauffeur the first meet we went to they asked me where our tent was and where our numbers are and I said what are you talking about <laughs> no they were great they were great and we they were really good we, we were good that's that's awesome. That's uh, what do you think you learned most from that? That maybe you still just from that coaching experience. I, I love talking to coaches who've done other sports. You know that because you always learn a little something that you wouldn't have learned. Uh, you know, as a basketball coach. Well, whenever I think about those times and those kids, I smile this big. You know, and uh, I'm so happy that that they put up with me, and that we had success, and they're all doing really well in life. And whenever they reach out to me. Um, like the, the girls team had a reunion in Des Moines. Um, they, they don't all live in Des Moines, but they had a reunion in Des Moines and they sent me some messages and it just about makes me cry. But if I, if I had to answer your question, honestly, the gift of bullshit um, and being able to 
coach, even though you don't know what you're doing. I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, zero idea, but I recruited well as well. And that doesn't help the high school coaches, but, you know, just adapting to your situation and knowing that, you know, do best by the kids. Um, I did best by those kids, even though I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell them what to do to help them athletically, but I was there for them. 9-11 happened during that time and they were confused. And I don't know if it's a cross country th thing, but at that time, the kids I had were very politically in their mind. And I feel like I did them, I, I did them right by you know, talking to them about their feelings and, and what they were going through. And that actually helped me with this whole pandemic thing, to be honest with you, because I, I feel like that helped my experience level on when we all get, got sent home. By the way, that was my best team, by the way. That was the, the, the greatest collection of William Penn basketball players ever. Um, when we got sent home, we were 30 and three. And uh, we were going to kick everybody's ass uh, at nationals. I mean, there would have been 20 point games. Trust me, we were that good. And uh, we'll never know. That's yeah. sad. I'll take that to my, and I don't care anybody who watches this, who says that that's not right. No, man, we were that good. That's yeah, that's too bad. But that's like you said, that's something when you have those life-changing events, that's something you'll remember and forever and that'll, that'll never never forget same thing with those kids and anybody that was involved with that team but uh so you mentioned losing uh, losing 30 games your first year uh that had to have been a little bit of a, gr a grinder and a long season and so is this where is this where Sean O'Hare comes in to the rescue and saves the William Penn basketball program or what what happens here man we're gonna give Sean that much credit <laughs> that Sean O'Hare we were two we went two and 30 and uh I knew we had to upgrade. What I did was I gutted the whole program. Um, it wasn't easy to do, but I told like 50. So, cause we have JV here and actually right currently we have two JV teams, but back then we only had one JV team. We had 55 players when I took over, I kept, I believe five. I told 50 kids they couldn't come back. I got rid of everybody. We had a drug problem. Uh, we had an attitude problem. We had a culture problem. And I wanted to start the program over in my way. So in recruiting, um, I knew we had to have uh, strong-willed, uh, skilled players. And back then, I believed in a slow-paced game. As, to as now, I want to score 120. Um, so just know the first 10 years of my career, based on the next 10 last 10 years of my career is two different coach Henry's. So I was a slow paced guy back then. I got lucky in the fact that Brian Spielbauer, one of my best friends uh, lived with him in college, had been at Bemidji state as a graduate assistant and he knew Sean and he came to Penn and <clears throat> said, I think I got this kid for you. I recruited Sean. I recruited Sean's dad even more. Um, and Sean came. I, I still to this day don't know why he came. And his brother, Kevin, great guy, just won his 350 game as the freshman coach at Dowling. Congratulations to him. That's a, that's a crazy stat, by the way. 350 games as a ninth grade coach. 
Who does that? Who keeps track of that? To, to KO, man, that, that's unreal. I mean, that, all you high school coaches, that's unreal. Think about that. Anyway, back to Sean. And then we got lucky to, to get Jacob Spielbauer out of Wapalo, Iowa. So we got those two to begin with. I landed a couple of, of, of JC uh, post players, and, and we, we got lucky. We got this. This is an awesome story. You want to hear a really good one? Julian Asibi, or Asibe, depending on who you're talking to. He's these. I'm not going to tell you where he's at now. Let me tell the story first. He's from Downey, California. When I knew I was going back to Penn, I was getting these what, what's called now NCSA reports, you know, the, the recruiting service. Well, back then they came in paper form. It was a hard, hard copy. And I got his stuff and he was a 5'9 uh, guard and he was holding the ball and it said he had a 42 inch vertical. And I was like, eh, he's 5'9. Well, I was working at Twin Cedars at the time, but I knew I was going back to coach. I'd already made the commitment. I threw his profile in the trash. Well, back then I chewed smokeless tobacco. So I spit on this thing during my breaks for like three weeks. And finally, after about three weeks, I reached down there and I was like, they're not taking my trash out. And I looked down there and I said, a kid, that, that profile is still there. I picked it out of the trash. And I said, for some reason, I'm supposed to recruit this kid. He ended up starting for me. You know what he does now? He's the assistant women's coach at the University of Florida. He makes $600,000 or whatever as a D1 women's coach. He's found his calling. Uh, his two siblings are, are heart doctors or something. I don't know why God told me to get that thing out of the trash and stop spitting on it. I don't chew anymore, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to throw that out there. But no, Sean, Jake, and Julian were, were really big in turning the program around. Sean, no offense to Jake and Julian, Sean may changed everything. Um, when we got Sean, it made it possible for us to get Jake. And then Sean brought a guy named Danny Lund. Uh, from Bemidji, who was a 6'9 freak. He was like a Christian Leitner type. But Sean changed the whole program when we got him. And uh, God bless him. I know he's going to watch this. He's going to be uncomfortable with me talking about him. He knows how I feel about him. No, that is uh, that is wonderful. So going through this, going through this run uh, at William Penn, talk to me a little bit about the 2010-2011 uh, season. So this would be the season uh, in the midst of this that looks like, uh, for all extensive purposes, looks like maybe the most underachieving uh, season. Did you get nervous there in 10-11? What was what, what was the deal? Did you start uh, applying? You start applying for some other jobs? No, no, no. I, I've, honestly, I've only entertained one other job uh, in my career. But the season you're talking about, and thanks a lot for bringing that up, jerk. Um, <laughs> that's my one losing season, right? 14. Yep. Yeah, you know, that's the one. Okay. Well, those were good kids. And, uh, but we made some, we made some recruiting mistakes, um, to be honest with you. And you see it at Ohio state right now. I mean, things have kick a kid off the team. Um, a recruit doesn't come at the last minute at our level. It's different than like division one, like at the, you know, August 1st hits and a kid says, I, I changed my mind. What do you do? Um, and, you bring a couple of kids in that you think are good 
and they end up not being good, you're in trouble. If, if your core returning isn't good. Now, I feel like now I can, you know, I, I stockpile and we're going to be okay. Um, now, not we might not be great, but that year the bottom fell out. The year you're talking about. I really appreciate you bringing that up, by the way. Yeah, so, well, it can't all be flowers on here. I, I, just, I just met you and you're bringing that shit up. Okay. <laughs> um, here's the funny part of that. Joe McKinstry was my assistant. And at that point in my career, we had gone, we had won the conference in 06, 07, and 08. 09, we were really good. And then you bring up the 10. 10, we were pretty good. The 11 and the 11. Yeah, 11, 10, 11. Yeah, 10, 11, yep. 14 and 16. I told my, I told my top assistant, Joe McKinstry, the following year after the 14 and 16 year, so we're, we're in 12 now. I said, if we don't either win the conference or go to nationals, your ass is fired. When the season's over and the, and the horn goes off, just clean your shit out and get out of my office. And he's one of my... He, he might be my best friend, to be honest with you, other than my wife. He might be my best friend, and I hope he sees this, because he knows this story. So over the course of the 12 season, after that season, uh, we had a triple overtime win over what was then called Ashford at home. And we were battling Ashford. At that time, the, the uh, Midwest Collision got two bids to nationals. St. Ambrose was dominant, um, so they were going to get it. The battle for that second place got an, an automatic bid. And we weren't that great, but we were battling for that second place. And we beat them triple overtime at our place. We had to go back up there. And if we beat them, we were in. It went to double overtime again. So five overtimes between teams in one season, and we won. He starts bawling. He's crying because he knows that he just saved his job. It was awesome. It was, and the players are like, coach, man, what's your problem? He's like, I, I get to stay. <laughs> well, now, would that have been, so I'm looking at the date, would that have been an Oliver Drake coached Ashford yeah, yeah. team? Oliver okay. Drake Oliver Drake and I used to butt heads. And since then, we've become good friends. When he went to Midland, uh, I actually sent an Oskaloosa player who was my son's teammate out there. And he was a captain for Oliver Drake. Oliver Drake is a great person. Um, I didn't think so in the beginning. Uh, I thought he was a jerk. He was always pumping his fist at me. But uh, when I got to know him, that's a great, great person, Oliver Drake. He is. He's a, he's a good one. So he was the assistant at Warburg when I was there. Um, oh, my daughter. So, my daughter goes to Warburg. Oh, awesome. I did, I did, maybe I did I've know got, that. I've got some night shirts. If you had told me that, I would have worn it. There you go. We could have just black and gold or black and orange on there and get a little bit of uh, eh, uh, my, evil empire. Uh, my daughter actually dates a wrestler. Can you believe that? I'm a basketball. Ooh. No, because we did not get along with the wrestlers either on campus. That's for sure. What else you got? Uh, for? Um, so I, I so I wanted to talk. So after that 12 season, then you went uh, uh, the 13th season went 34 and two. So you must have uh, regrouped and started getting a few more of those recruits in. And uh, from there, it's pretty much the the rest is history. Here, you've been ripping off 20 plus wins. Um, like you said, eclipse in the 30 mark, uh, looks like five, six times. And so, uh, what has allowed you to continue to, from that point on, uh, really just continue to excel and, and continue to succeed there. That 13 team, 
um, set this all up. Uh, the national championship run or national championship runner up run. Um, and, and as you said, you got some recruits in there. We really didn't. Um, we had two kids that were injured. Brandon Beasley and Kevin Fay were redshirted. We, we only really brought in one recruit that year. And that was uh, James Devlin, who hit the game-winning buzzer shot in the Elite Eight, sent us to the Final Four. So thank goodness we brought him in. Um, but he was really the only uh, – we had one other, Lamonte uh, Jenkins, a freshman, who was a role player on that team. But we only brought in two kids. We kept the core together of the 12 team. The 11 team had a losing record. That's when we brought in players uh, for the 12 team. We built we built the 12 team to to go 13 and the 13 team. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, we were 34 and one and we were in the national championship game. And uh, all you coaches listening, I hope that you can admit this as I do. I was out coached. I was on the biggest stage of my life and I was out coached um, by Coach Diener at Cardinal Stritch. And uh, I'll take that to my grave. And I'm not happy about it, but at least I can admit it. Um, and for those of you that are coaches listening, you probably have a game that you were out coached too. I mean, whether you're great or mediocre or you suck, you're occasionally it happens. And it happened to me on the on the biggest night of my career life. Um, we were averaging about 94 points a game and we scored 59. I couldn't manage the media timeouts. The game was on CBS Sports, and we had never played on national television before. Well, he was an XD1 player, and he had he had he knew what he was doing. Like to slow us down, he was going to play slow, and then he was going to call a timeout a minute or two before every media timeout. So by the time you know we got running, it was a timeout, 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 timeout. My guys were like. I can't get in a rhythm here. He got me. He got me good. And then he had this special play. I still haven't figured it out. Um, but he ran it like four times for a layup. I got done in, man. I mean, uh, and I, I, I've told the players that, and they say, oh, coach, that's not on you. But I really take responsibility for that, and, and I'll own it. And, and for the rest of my life, I'll, 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 you know what? We made it to the national championship game after 19 straight losing seasons before I took over. So I take solace in that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, things have definitely been cooking and going in the right direction. And so um have to, and I'll have Adam jump in on this a little bit more too, but let's talk about this Grandview rivalry. What's the deal there? Is that uh, all that it's cracked up to be? Is he going to come on? <laughs> Adam, I know you watched yeah. a few when Corey was, Corey was playing, right? Yeah, you know, I did. I know you're going to get me in trouble for this, right? No, 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 no. We're not, we're not, we're not trying to get anybody in trouble, but we got to talk about some basketball things, right? No, you uh, got to set me up for what I said. <laughs> and you want me to say what I said before. You want me to say it? I'll say it. Okay. First, a very good friend of mine. And I respect Grandview. Okay. Very much. But there's no rivalry in a one way ass kicking. <laughs> All right. Toilet, toilet paper or not, it's not a thing, huh? I mean, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, uh, we we may have heard. We, we, lo we love the rivalry. We love the rivalry. 
and, and uh, Dennis, like I said, is a good friend of mine, and uh, it's it's fun. And even when we go up there, I mean, uh, the intensity uh, and the feel of the game, so fun. You know, it's like the it's it's a small school level of uh, North Carolina Duke. Um, you know, we don't dislike each other as much as we used to. Now that we're in the heart, when we were in the MCC, it was it was much more intense. But now we're almost like brothers in the heart. Like we're in this together. You know, all these schools, you know, they don't, you know, we're, we're almost together. But when we get together to play each other, yeah, it's a rivalry. But I like, I like to poke them. And, uh, you know, even if Dennis sees this, you know, he knows that I'm just teasing when I say, you know, come beat us and make it a rivalry again. Um, and I mean that way i'm not i'm not being a jerk about it um but uh it's it's fun uh the toilet paper is outrageous it used to be years ago it was central when we were d3 and uh, i am proud to say that i once as a player made the basket for the toilet paper and the thing about the toilet paper is i script three sets to start the game um after the tip by the way after when we tip, we shoot right away. I want a shot in the first five seconds. But after that, I script three plays. Well, those three plays never get run. Because whoever touches the ball is shooting it because they want to be the guy who makes the toilet paper. Just as I did 127 years ago, I caught that ball. I let it, I let it go. <laughs> and I averaged like three points a game, but I was going to, I was shooting that. <laughs> and, it, you know, it, it's, it's a, I mean, and now, uh, years ago, kids used to smuggle toilet paper under their shirts and stuff. Now we're making T-shirts and we're giving them toilet paper as they come into the game. I mean, it's it's so different. And our athletic director, Nick Rule, has really embraced it. So is our president. Um, Grandview has is, is embraced it, too. One year, they had somebody on their side throw red toilet paper. Big ups to them. That was cool. Now, I don't want them doing it ever again, because yeah. um, I tried to get it. I tried to get a technical on them, and they wouldn't do it. And I think that's why they stopped doing that because I was going to get a double technical because they always started off with free throws. Right. We uh, we may have heard <clears throat> a couple stories about this, but what's the what's the origin of the toilet paper? All the way back to uh, late seventies when William Penn would play Central. And Central would come over, we would make the basket, and we'd throw toilet paper. Uh, and then Central was a Central is a bonkers rival back in the day, even, even when I played. Because we were in the Iowa Conference when I played. We were D3. And not just the toilet paper game at Penn when we played Central, but when we played at Central, the fraternities from William Penn would dribble a basketball on the side of the road all the way to Pella, and they were drinking beer in the back of a truck, by the way, um, of course. Um, but they would dribble the ball all the way to Central and go right into the arena. And as the team came out, that ball kept dribbling. And when the team came out, they'd pass it to the team, and the first layup had to be that fraternity ball. That was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And they were wasted, of course. Um, but, you know, a different time and place. Yeah, that is that is impressive. That's impressive. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, well, hey, um, by the way, I have two big grocery or uh, big black 
uh, bags of toilet paper in my garage. Uh, I'm not buying toilet paper. As I say, uh, only two? two. Well, my assistants took the four others. Because <laughs> when, gotcha. when it happens, they, they bag them up in big, huge bags and put them in our office, our, our side office, the assistant's office. And I was like, man, I'm taking this. Toilet paper's running low right now. That's great. That is great. Um, well, hey, as a, I guess as a former Panther, um, you know, got to um, ask a little bit about your son. You referenced him a couple of times. Uh, as, a, as a dad, as a coach, what was that recruiting process like? Um, you know, maybe something you expected, maybe a couple of things you didn't. And then what ultimately um, has Cole um, in Cedar Falls at you and I? Well, I, I mentioned off air that one time I, I cheated, right? I, I bought a kid a car. I gave him a house, I gave him money, and I slept with his um, and he didn't and he come still back. chose you and I. Well, yeah, I, ra- I raised him to be uh, a 6'4 left-handed quarterback or a 6'4 left-handed point guard for William Penn, and he ended up being a 6'9 power forward at you and I. Um, and that's fine. You know, it's cool. Um, and he, you know, dream big. And not just for my son, but for every kid. And, and do you have children? Yeah. Okay. I every, yeah. Yeah. I always tell every kid at camp, and I told my own son this. Like, he came to me and said, "Dad, I'm sorry, I'm not going to play at William Pitt." And he was like in like third grade, <laughs> and I said, "Huh?" And he said, "I'm going to Duke." And I said, "Well, listen, son, set your goals right here as high as you can reach, and if you end up right here." It's a pretty damn good place. And that's, this is probably you and I to Duke. You know what I'm saying? Um, William Penn probably would have been about right here. And I love my program and I love what we've done here, but he ended up having the opportunity to go. I don't know how many offers he had off the top of my head, but he had, he had several. And uh, we ended up Panthers and uh, he enjoys himself up there. Um, and uh, the recruiting process you asked me about, uh, it was it was hectic. Uh, I'm glad Hank was there. Hank Huddleston, God bless him, was there to help us. Not just Hank, but the rest of the Martin Brothers staff. I think I helped, but I really didn't know the process of that level. And all you high school coaches out there, too, or whoever's watching this, me being 22 years in as a recruiter and a college coach, I've learned so much. Um, through his process, Xavier Foster's process, Jared Cruz, before them, he was a senior when they were both juniors or, or junior sophomore, whatever. The process of, of those three kids was so different than what I do in recruiting. Um, you know, offers are different. Social media, you know, the whole process was bonkers. You know, are they offering? Are they not offering? Can we visit? Can we not visit? When can you do this? And then the fact that Cole played football um, was a curveball too because these schools wanted him to visit, but he's playing quarterback for Oski High. Um, you know, it, it, it was wild. It was a wild time in our life, but you know what? We enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, it was stressful, but it was strun, uh, strun, fun stress. Um, and it was cool. I mean, it, it, ultimately, the decision was his, and and he's happy with it. So we're good. That is good. That's all that matters is that he's happy a, where he's at with the decision. 
you know, and it was a great time in our life. And, and now, you know, now we're in a different stage. So I got one, my daughter's at Warburg and my son's at UNI. And that's great because that's one trip, as you know, mm-hmm. you know, Waverly's 12 miles north. So uh, Mama Bear uh, and I can uh, make that trip and see them both um, and then head back south. Awesome. Well, coach, it's been great learning a little bit more about you and your background, um, your coaching style, some philosophies as well. Um, I'd like to end our podcast episodes with a little section called rapid fire. So Brian, okay. I'll ask you a couple of questions, some about hoops, some not, and you let us know what comes to the top of your head. Okay. This, hey, this might be dangerous. No, this will be, this will be fun. We coach. Hope you'll, be, so. you'll be, you'll be good at this. Um, first one, we always ask uh, favorite visiting gym or arena you've had the opportunity to coach in. Um, for whatever reason, what what makes it uh, your favorite place? Either because you got a big win, you always win, or the atmosphere is cool. They have um, a, a great coach's locker room, whatever it is. What's your favorite visiting gym or arena you've had the opportunity to coach in? Hmm. As far as competition-wise, I always like going to St. Ambrose. That was awesome. Now, I will add in uh, University of Nebraska, Omaha, because we were the very first basketball team to play in that arena versus them. And they're a big hockey school, so there was water everywhere. I mean, it was crazy. Um, you know, we've, we've been all over. That's a tough question. Um, yeah, you put me on the spot on that one. But I would say – Loman Arena at St. Ambrose was was special, you know. And and KO played there, by the way, Kevin O'Hare. Um, and yes, then show back there and and beat him there. And I got in a lot of trouble uh when we beat him when Sean was playing for me because we bounced on their B at midcourt uh after the game. I shouldn't have done that, but I was young and cocky, and I wish I could take it back, but you know. Somebody did that at William Penn now, there'd be a riot. If they bounce on the WP, oh, we're not having it. Uh, it's like yeah. Errol Owens on the star in Dallas. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's what we did. Um, but, no, that was a great place. That was a great place. I miss I miss playing them. That's a good one. That's a good one to add to the list. Uh, do you have a game day routine or superstition or anything that has to happen um, for you on game day? I've got several. Um, I know my wife, if she's listening, she's in the living room and she's probably giggling right now. Um, we have a, a, we have about 10 superstitions. I mean, we're, we're, we're overstitious. Yeah. Uh, we have to wear the same shirt. We all have to wear the same shirt. And now the pandemic did away with the, the suits. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Look at me. Do you think I want to wear a suit? I mean, no. Uh, so that was the, that might be the best thing other than partial minor cure of the d- disease or whatever that happened to this is basketball coach no longer wear suits, but we have to wear the same shirt. And sometimes we have to wear the same shirt if we win games in a row, because if we switch shirts, we might lose. Uh, I also have to have a hot dog with only half the bun. I don't know why. I think it's, I was on a diet one time and I didn't want the carbs. So now it's become a thing. Uh, then <laughs> my coaches will kill me for telling you this. Um, when the team leaves the locker room, we all have to dap up and then we all have to take a piece of gum. 
And then we all have to bring it in as a championship on three. And that's it. <laughs> a lot of things, if you think about it. That's um, good, though. There are others, too, that I'm not going to share with you. No, that's fine. That, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I love that. <laughs> Because uh, some coaches, we, we don't get much from them on that one. They might have no, one or two we, things. We have, but we have more, but it's all good. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you to name your best or most talented player that you've coached, but I am gonna ask you who's the most talented player that you've coached against. Who do you remember where you're like, geez, this kid is just something else. There was a kid, and his name, his name escapes me. Played for Mayville State. We played Mayville State in 2007 in the national tournament. My first trip to the national tournament. I can't remember his. If you'd have pro, if you'd have told me this ahead of time, I would. Sorry, up. yeah, that's on get, us. Get, get Veed on that right now. Uh, Mayville State. He went to the the what was then the D League. I think it was a first round pick in the D league. He's the best player I've ever coached against. Now, after that, I would say Kennedy from St. Ambrose, Melvin Scott from Iowa Wesleyan's a good one. Hey, Veet from Grandview's got to be in the top 10. I will say that. And not, and not just because his brother's on this, this, this podcast, um, a couple others. There was a kid from park two years ago who scored 51 points on us without shooting a jump shot, without shooting a jump shot. He did not hit a three. He did take 25 in a loss. We beat him by 25, but he had 51 points in our gym. That's how good he was. Well, that's because you got the low rim, right? I'm not going to comment on that. (laughs) Where'd you hear that at? (laughs) You brought it up at the clinic, but I, I KO and some other people have talked about yeah, it too yeah. on how if you, you want to get you were, you were you were one of the only people paying attention at the clinic. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, I no no. I'm not gonna say it's true. It could be true that one of our rims is low, but no, he dropped 51 on us without shooting a jump shot. He was incredible. I don't did know his make, name. Did he make a lot of free throws? Did he get the line or what was the deal? He got to the line a lot, but it wasn't like outrageous. He just scored. I mean, he was a big body guard and he was just tenacious and we couldn't stop him. I mean, we tried double teaming him. Uh, we iced, we ball screened, or we uh, head screens. We double teamed him. We switched. We put bigs on him. We put littles on him. This dude, we couldn't stop him. However, he's not as good as the kid from Mayville State, though, in 07. That kid was a pro. Like an NBA. Um, hey, looking at their looking at their roster right now, their roster only goes back on this website to 07, 08. So you're you're sure it was 07? One year. One year short. I'm sure. Well, why why don't you go to the box score of William Penn? I can do that. Yeah, that'll do. Not, not maybe I'll say go to the box score of William Penn. Not that big a deal. He was the best player ever I ever coached by by far. By far. Uh, there was another kid, Andrew Bryant, uh, played at St. Ambrose, and he was a Boston College transfer, and he was on the all-freshman team in the Big East uh, before he transferred to St. Ambrose. Uh, he dropped 16 points on Iowa State as a freshman at Boston College. He was a beast, but he took two L's. That's, that's, 
that's the best way to do it, right? Hey, yeah. It's- oh, I just gotta say that. No, he was really, he was really good, and and he was so big. Man, was that guy big? But I, I just couldn't believe that, uh, uh, you know, St. Ambrose was going to take him. But he should have came to winning pin. Perfect spot for him. He would have fit right in. That's for yeah, sure. He was awesome. Yeah, I think he played. Uh, I think he played ten years in like Spain or something. Last I heard. Wow, that's but impressive. It was. I would go the Mayville State kid and then Andrew Bryant from St. Ambrose um, as the top two. Now we haven't we haven't had the luxury to play very many uh, Division One teams because they won't play us. You know we've we've asked everybody in the country to play us, even even you and I. Um, you and I. Hey, here she is. You want to get on? You want to no, get on camera? <laughs> oh, she's trying to show me. I already knows his name. Oh, we have it. The research. This is our I team. Yeah, my my wife is trying to show me. I don't know. Show me. I can't even read this. You're stupid here. Listen to that. You hear that? That's how just just getting at it from home too. Jeez. Uh, I'm not the boss here. Um, at, by far, it is garbage. Oh, I got to take the garbage out here pretty soon. So we got to wrap. Yeah, we'll get this done. Uh, Keep it the, the, the fire and the shots. I answered that question. It's the Mayville State kid and Andrew Bryant. Uh, I, was, I want to finish. Um, we, we've tried to get Division Ones to play us. We, we've probably contacted over the last four years every Division One in the country. Coach Steve Alford, when he was at UCLA, said, F, no, I'm not playing you. <laughs> Too much even, to lose. Even Coach Jacobson at UNI said, uh, the day Cole committed, he said, don't ever ask me to play. He's like, that's part of this deal. This is part of the deal. Part don't of the deal. Play. It's, it's cool. I, I take it as respect because if they beat us by 10 or they beat us by 15, that's not good for them. We're not going to beat them. I mean, we're not. It just doesn't happen. But if we give them a good game, it's bad for them. Now, if we were to beat one of them, they're getting fired. So, right. And- pay us to play but I, i've told iowa and iowa state i'll play them for free and uh, it just they won't do it so it's it's fine Mon- awesome. hey my wife just got it monty rogers what number was he 24. 24 monty rogers the best player I ever coached against monty rogers there you go you're on the podcast she she if i put her on the podcast she'd kill me and she just willingly brought it up monty rogers the best player ever against. look at that that's team effort right there that's having uh that's having good good staff at home too well she's probably getting frustrated in the other room because i talk so loud when i do this <laughs> stuff that she was like let me get the answer to get him the hell off this phone she's giggling because right? she's thinking that's exactly what, what it is when Adam and I get an opportunity to come down and check out to uh, measure these rims to see if they're 10 foot or not, where in Oski do we got to stop and, uh, and eat and maybe get a, maybe get a cold one before we come to the game? Well, first and foremost, you're not coming down to measure nothing <laughs> because we like them the way they are, but I would recommend Tasso's as a uh, down home place or the family restaurant. Uh, or you can just come to my house and, and we'll cook something up here. I'll get on the grill. We'll sit in the man cave 
and uh, talk shop just like this, man. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed this very much. Um, I'll have you guys anytime you want come to my house. That's the best place for you guys to come. We'll talk basketball and throw back a couple beers, uh, look at some pictures and talk shop, and I'll make you burgers, ribs, whatever you want. I love the sound of that. I'm I'm definitely there. That uh, that sounds like a dream night. That's for sure. So, a um, couple more, coach. We'll get you out of here. What's uh, right, what's, here what's one piece of advice that uh, you would give to a young coach that uh, just had the opportunity to get his first head coaching job? Um, what's a piece of advice that you've learned along the way that you would say uh, in really that first, maybe even first two or three years um, in the head chair? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked me that. And I am honored to answer in my own way. And I know that I like to make jokes and uh, be fun. Um, but this is a serious question and a serious answer for me is that if you have passion for it, not just the game, but for working with kids, whether it be third graders or 13th grade like me, <laughs> and that brought a smile to your face but you know exactly what I'm talking about just make sure that you enjoy your time with the kids and make sure that that you're helping them grow you want to win games we all want to win games we're all competitive but it's 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 the game is about having fun and that years later and I just had a, a speaking engagement last night where I said this years later you want those kids to say, hey, remember when we played ball? Remember when we did this? Whether it's winning or losing, remember when we ran those sprints? Or remember when coach went crazy or, or just whatever? And it's about the memories of the young men, um, no matter what level you're on. And then as you as an individual coach, make sure you take it all in and, uh, you know, enjoy every moment. because. And I'm speaking strictly to the, the high school and junior high coaches that watch this right now. A, 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 a great coach named Rick Majerus. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Big, huge, fat guy. Um, he once told me a great saying, and I said it at the clinic. Do you remember? And I'm going to repeat it. High school coaches and junior high coaches are the greatest coaches on the planet because they rely on the sperm of the community. College coaches, we can recruit. And we can change players and get rid of players and do certain things. You high school coaches and junior high coaches, you rely on the sperm of your community. And your run as, quote, unquote, a great coach can be three or four years. And then you're back to being a terrible coach because you have a bad team. That's not necessarily the truth. You're still the same coach. You know what I'm saying? I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. You're, you're still the same coach. And. God bless you guys, uh, you high school coaches and junior high coaches. If you if you can embrace that. Now, there are guys who, you know, they get a good run and they think they're awesome and they're, they're, they're Bob Knight or John Wooden or whatever. And then you go back to 6 and 20. Doesn't make you any different than you were when you were 20 and 6 or state champion. Just keep doing what you're doing and it'll come back around. It usually does. Um, and, and develop your young kids if you want to change the narrative. No, that's great. And absolutely wonderful uh, piece of advice and insights from someone that's been there and has experienced it. So that's a uh, that's good one. All right. Two I more winning record at Twin Cedars, by the way. 
Really? It was the time of my life. See, that's what that's what it's all about. And those kids, you remember those kids and the impact that they had on you and you had on them. I'm still in contact with many of them. Yeah, that's great. That's what it's all about. That's what this game is all about. That's what coaching's all about, right there. So, um, all right, two more coach will get you out of here. We talked about last chance to you several times. You talked about coaching and wanting to be a possible football coach growing up. So I assume that you saw season one with Buddy Stevens. Um, so who's got a better vocabulary, Buddy or would yourself? Where do you where do you rank yourself in a vocabulary? <laughs> well, Buddy was the first one. What was the name of the guy at Coffeeville or uh in Kansas, the next it, football? Uh Brown, Coach Brown, right? Yeah, those were seasons. Those were better than the basketball season, by the way. Because the basketball coach of Last Dance U, he knew the camera and he knew what was going to happen to his career. Buddy and the other Brown. They just went all out and the vocabulary. What did O'Hare put you up to this? <laughs> hey, hey, he might've gave some insight <laughs> and there might, there might've, there might've been a, 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 a clicker at the clinic too, counting to see what, how many, uh, if there are I any, did, M, M, I, any MFers I, out there or not. Okay. Okay. I did curse at the clinic. I don't really curse that much. It's uh, is Brown and buddy. I don't do that. I mean, watching that video, especially brown brown was off the charts um ah, buddy was kind of terrible too i don't do it like that buddy I, so so buddy was bad the first season and then i think he watched it yeah. back and then the second season it was like he was a completely different well, guy like it didn't seem yeah. the same yeah he actually said that he was going to tone it down uh anyway um i'm not i mean it's easy for me to sit here and talk about myself and say that i'm not that bad i'm not i i really am not but you know when the tide rises, um, you know, my vocabulary changes with my mood, but uh, I'm not Bob Knight or anything like that. I mean, not at all. Now, when I was younger, I was more apt to do dumb stuff because I thought it was part of uh, motivation. I, I've, I've adapted and, and, and evolved. I think, I've, I think I've evolved three or four different times in my career. And this was meant to be a funny question, but it's it's ending up telling you that I've actually evolved three or four times into something different. When I was young, I thought I had to be all fiery, and, and I was I was actually an irritant um, to opposing coaches. You know, I wanted to fight everybody. You know, I thought that was part of it. Plus, we had we we were losers, man. We we were coming off nineteen losing seasons. Nobody respected us, and I, I was. How I got my job um, bothered me, so I was I was not I was not comfortable in my own skin. And once I became comfortable in my own skin and realized that yes, I am a pretty good basketball coach. I, that might sound cocky, but when you find that you're good, you're finally you finally accept that yes, I'm I'm okay at this. And that's not arrogant. That's you know like you are you good at your podcast? I mean. <laughs> You know, whatever, whatever it is you're into, if you finally realize you're good at it, then you're more comfortable. So, and then over time, kids have changed in 23 years. Um, so you got to treat them in a different manner. Now, you mentioned today's practice. It got a little wacko, um, but that has to happen every now and then. Um, but normally, I'm a, I'm a little bit more laid back and handle kids the way that I feel that today's kids should be handled. Um, whereas 
20 years ago, Sean O'Hare was treated differently than uh, Brian Rios is today. Um, it's just different. And, and if you can't adapt to all you coaches watching this, if you, if you last more than 20 years, you're going to have to change with the times as well. And if you don't, you're dead. Yeah, I mean, in the career, that is. Um, because the game changes. You know, the rules change, the game changes, and the kids change. The parents change. And if, you not, if you're not adapting, you might as well get out. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's amazing, too, because we talk about that a lot as far as when you get into coaching, there's a little bit of that imposter syndrome where you're kind of trying to be what you think you need to be or what the way your coach was. And then you start to find yourself. And, and I think at the end of the day, these kids are smart enough. They're going to see right through the bullshit, too. So if you're not genuine in what you're trying to do, um, sharing the passion and doing it for the right reasons, they're going to see right through it. And um, you know, I think that's something too, like you said, it wasn't that, uh, you were necessarily not being yourself, but we evolve and we change and we make differences and, um, you know, the passion comes out and it's a passionate sport. It's a passionate game. And you, we can tell easy talking with you that you love what you do and, um, you love doing it for the right reasons. And so, uh, it's all part of it, it comes together. Let me give you an example. Back in the day, <laughs> this is a, this is a funny analogy back in the day. And some of you coaches that are watching you be like, I would never do that. But really, if you think about it, this is a smart move. Back in the day, if we were leaving at 8 a.m. for a road game, at 7.59, we were probably leaving. And it didn't matter if you were on the bus or not, we were leaving. Now, if we're leaving at 8 a.m. and my best player is not on the bus, I'm going in back into the facility acting like I'm peeing. And my assistant coaches are calling me and saying, yes, he's on the bus. And I come back out, I get on the bus, and we go. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. I mean, fight your battles that you can fight. Fight your battles that are worth fighting. Um, and let some, let, you know, don't let everything go. Because we got to teach lessons. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Because I, I already told you I threw a player out of practice today. But there are just certain things that, if, if you can smooth it over and just let everybody, because at the end of the day, don't my other players deserve to have that guy on the bus and in uniform to win the game? Yep. You know, like that's what I figured out. Some certain things like that over the years, like let's make sure he gets here as long as he's not 10 minutes late. I mean, if he's one minute late, fine. Um, you know, I'll act like I'm going to pee and he gets on the bus and they all get to win. If he's not on the bus, we might not win. And then they all fail. You see what I'm saying? I mean, that's some things. I mean, I could go all day with this stuff. How many more questions? We I got one more for you, Coach. I'll let you right. get out of here. And you, you've kind of talked about it. And you've, we've built up and led to this. But we like to end uh, on a fun and a positive note. But what's the best thing about having the opportunity to be the head men's basketball coach down there at William Penn? What's the best thing about being the basketball coach at William Penn? Um, wow. Uh, have, ha having built it from such a prominent loser to where we are now, and, and, you know, whether we win a national championship or not, I'm very proud of what we've done. Um, you know, we were, like I said, for the third time, we, were, we had 19 straight losing seasons. Um, before my people and me took over. And now if we lose a game, 
people think we lost five, you know. Um, somebody told me a, an amazing statistic. We are, I don't know if the math is correct, and, and your boy V will probably be able to look this up, but I think we're like 112 and 10 in the last four years. And that's better than we, we, we were third Some because people have been following this between us, Gonzaga, and Northwest Missouri State. Who has the best record over the last four years? And I think we just passed them both um, recently. Um, and that's amazing. After having 19 straight losing seasons, we're expected to win every game now. And you know what? I am proud of that. I mean, is it is it pressure? Is it stress? Yes. But wouldn't you rather be in that position than, than let's have a winning season? You know, we're expected every year to go to nationals and win our league, which we have at seven out of the last eight years, by the way. Um, just had to throw that out there. Um, but no, it, it, it's, it's awesome. I, I love it here. Um, only one time did I even think of leaving. Um, I haven't, I just reached in my work bag uh, and I found some old file and it said 2010 resume is a manila folder. This was just last night. 2010, update your resume. That was that 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 was your only losing season. That's why. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> as I looked at my resume, there are two people on my references that are dead. Oh, geez. <laughs> so, you know, I've never thought about leaving here since way back in, in 2010. When you say my losing season, I wasn't thinking about leaving then. It was before that, and I'm not going to get into that story. Um, it was 07, um, but. Thank God I didn't because uh, I, I love what we're doing here. Um, I always say this, like people say, like, why did you ever leave? Um, you, you had to have the opportunity to leave. And yeah, there were opportunities, but, and this is a weird analogy, but I always say like, if I've got a, a, a Chevy Impala, a 6'4 Impala, you know what I'm talking about? Those yeah. cool switches and stuff. If I have a beat up Impala and I fix it up into a beautiful car, I don't want to sell that thing. Somebody will wreck it. You know, I'm going to ride it until, until it's dead or until I want to walk away from it. That's my analogy to that. And I just love it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this as long as I can, as long as my wife will let me. And obviously she's in because she got, what was the name? What was his name again? Monty, Monty Rogers, right? Monty Rogers. Yeah. She, she said she forgot already. Yeah. No, that is, that's, uh, that's wonderful, coach. And where's me? What? I'm here. Where's I'm still here. All right. He's still waiting for the end here. Oh, tell your brother I said hello. He was a tough guard. And I told you off air, I, I thought I was talking to, to him. I thought you'd lost some weight, <laughs> lost some weight or something. I'm sorry about that. You're, you're a panther, not, not a Viking, which I respect. I respect you more for being a panther and not a Viking. Um, but tell him I said hello, him and Von's off. Um, and they're good friends with the Blythe. You know, do you know Von Blythe? Yes, I sure do. Yeah, his, his son's very good friends with my son. They graduated together, but he always talks about uh, beating Von's off. But your brother had a play that they ran baseline that we still run to this day. We, we run that same play because we couldn't stop it. So tell him I said that. Yeah. You guys, I will great. do that 100%.
Yeah, we uh, we really appreciate the time here, coaches. Like I said before, awesome to learn more about you and meet you. Um, you know, talk hoops and you know that uh, that invitation to come over and talk hoops and and have some beers and throw some hamburger steaks on the grill is a is a good one. We might have to take you up on that. But thank you very much for your time, coach. Hey, for being on again, I'd love it. This is fun. Thanks, guys.